This is hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week and the events of our often bizarre lives and where we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And when I say unique, I mean He's not kidding. (laughs) There's no other radio show in America where the host... More openly and more in a more real fashion, go at each other's throats on a more regular basis. And you know what's really sick is that the listeners love it. <laughs> it's sickening. But it's also not an act. I mean, it's about as real as it gets. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, for better or for worse, often worse. But I appreciate you hanging in with us, both the audience and my co-host. Yeah. Uh, uh, in hour number- I had my bags packed, honey. <laughs> I was on my way to go watch horse racing. All right. Well, in hour number three... Uh, somewhere in hour number three, we're going to talk about a number of anniversaries related to today specifically. And this weekend, obviously the 15th anniversary of nine 11 being foremost among them, but there are other a couple of others that you may not be familiar with that. I also want to discuss, but between now and then uh, let's talk more specifically about the race for the white house, 2016 In hour number one, we discussed uh, Hillary's uh, health scare this morning and the implications of that. The the biggest event that occurred this week in the race for the White House uh, until today, I think, was this NBC Matt Lauer hosted town hall on national security. And I found it amusing, Leah, in the lead up to this thing that a lot of conservatives presumed that Matt Lauer, with whom I have done three major interviews on the Today Show on a, basically three different subjects, at least two and a half, uh, that he was going to be very biased towards Hillary Clinton. One, because, well, he's a mainstream news media member, and we presume that they're always going to be biased towards the Democrat. Although this year, a lot of bets are off because Trump really isn't a conservative, and Trump is a big celebrity, and he's great for ratings. So a lot of the dynamics are off. And I laughed when I saw that conservatives felt that way because I think Lauer had been uh, a, a part of or a member of the board, one of the boards for the Clinton Foundation or something. He had some relationship to the Clinton Foundation, and this was somehow going to be proof that he would be easy on her and tough on Trump. And I, I didn't buy that for a second, mainly because having dealt with Lauer quite a bit, Lauer's I don't see him as that ideological. I mean, he's definitely a liberal, but he is a ratings guy. And he respects celebrity more than anything. And I think that's a lot, that's a key to a lot of how Donald Trump pulls this off. The media sees Donald Trump as part of their tribe. He's one of them. He's a New Yorker, right? He's a big celebrity. He's super rich. He's not a, a conservative ideologue. So they don't see him really as the enemy. In a lot of ways, they love him because. He's good for what they love most. Right. He brings ratings, and that's the most important thing. So I think that my skepticism of that narrative was well-founded because the liberals went bananas. The Hillary fans went bananas on Matt Lauer for the results of the town hall, which were basically in the minds of liberals, and I think some open-minded objective people, was that Trump pretty much got a pass when you consider how bad this could have theoretically been for him based upon his history on issues of national security or lack thereof, as as well as some of the things that he said. The big headline that should have come out of this thing, 
other than, of course, the fact that Hillary was using an earpiece. Did you hear about that? That she was using a hairpiece, and we know this because James Wood said it so. And, and yeah, Jay- I couldn't, I couldn't really tell if that was what that was, or if there. Well, was it must be anything. true. It must be true because James Wood, the the acclaimed actor, uh, tweeted about it. And so, when, when an actor tweets about something, it, it, it must be true because he's a celebrity, a semi-celebrity, and so so it must be true, even though there's a mountain of evidence and logic that it wasn't, but it was, it must be true because drudge linked to a conspiracy site that no one's ever heard of. And Sean Hannity thought that it might be true. So therefore she was wearing an earpiece, which was it's just flat out ridiculous. All right. Um, so, and of course, even if she was what difference at this point, does it make? So, but she wasn't, let's be clear about that. Like, can we, can we just get those basic facts clear? She was not wearing an earpiece. And if you think that she was, uh, then, you know, but I digress. So the, the big moment other than the revelation that Hillary was wearing an earpiece so that she could be prompted to say lines that she forgot. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> Gosh. Leah, Leah the, that was the big story the next day in the right wing media. I mean, that, 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 that I mean, that, can you not understand my frustration? As somebody who cares Why are about the you truth, reading? I don't read Drudge anymore. I okay, mean, you know, it was on not Fox, everybody. Fox News. Fox News picked it up. I didn't Sean, see Sean that. Well. Sean Hannity. Days later, Sean Hannity on his website was still saying that the evidence indicates that it's true. But who okay. cares about Sean uh, Hannity? Uh, I mean, most uh, people are not that ridiculous. There's a lot of us that uh, don't believe uh, it. Well, I'm glad that you're in that group, Leah. That warms my heart beyond comprehension. But it also brings us to the end of this segment. So when we come back, we're gonna we'll play the clip from that town hall where where Donald Trump doesn't just praise Vladimir Putin; <laughs> he slobbers all over him, and the hilarity and well, maybe not so hilariousness that ensued. That's coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 24 different radio stations across this formerly great nation of ours, which broadcast this program on a weekly basis. Continuing with our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016, and specifically the NBC Town Hall on National Security, hosted by Matt Lauer. And uh, I guess the most substantive thing that occurred, although I don't think it got nearly the attention that it deserved for a number of reasons, some of which we have already alluded to, was when Donald Trump started talking about Vladimir Putin, basically the Russian dictator, and things got really weird. Now, Leah, it's important for context to understand, this is after Trump has already gotten rid of his campaign manager, Paul Manafort, because of a a flat-out scandal involving Manafort not just supporting a pro-Russian government entity, but being paid millions and millions of dollars and after allegations that the Russian government has been hacking into the DNC in an effort to try to help Trump get elected that have been given credibility by a lot of very seemingly credible people, 
you would think, you would think in a semi-rational world that under that context, you would refrain from praising Vladimir Putin. But no, no, this is Donald Trump, and here's what it sounded like on NBC this week. One of the things you've said about Vladimir Putin, you said, I will tell you in terms of leadership, he's getting an AR president is not doing so well. And when referring to a comment that Putin made about you, I think he called you a brilliant leader. You said it's always a great honor to be so nicely complimented by a man so highly respected within his country and beyond. Well, he does have an 82 percent approval rating, according to the different pollsters who, by the way, some of them are based right here. Look, he's also a guy who annexed Crimea, invaded Ukraine, supports Assad in Syria, supports Iran, is trying to undermine our influence in key regions of the world. And according to our intelligence committee community, probably is the main suspect for the hacking of the DNC computers. Well, nobody knows that for a fact. But do you want me to start naming some of the things that President Obama does? But do you want to be complimented by that former KGB officer? Well, I think when he calls me brilliant, I'll take the compliment, okay? The fact is, look, it's not going to get him anywhere. I'm a negotiator. We're going to take back our country. You look at what's happening to our country. You look at the depleted military. You look at the fact that we've lost our jobs. We're losing our jobs like we're a bunch of babies. We're going to take back our country, Matt. The fact that he calls me brilliant or whatever he calls me is going to have zero impact. But the fact that you say you can get along with him. I think think I'll be able to get along with him. Do you think the day that you become president of the United States, he's going to change his mind on some of these key issues? Possibly. It's possible. I don't know, Matt. It's possible. And it's not going to have any impact. If he says great things about me, I'm going to say great things about him. I've already said he is really very much of a leader. I mean, you can say, oh, isn't that a terrible thing? He called him. I mean, the man has very strong control over a country. Now, it's a very different system, and I don't happen to like the system. But certainly in that system, he's been a leader far more than our president has been a leader. We have a divided country. We have a country where you have Hillary Clinton with her emails that nobody's ever seen, where she deletes 33,000 emails. And that's after getting a subpoena from Congress. If you do that in private business, you get thrown in jail. There you go. All right. Now, the part of that, there's a lot of parts of that that are mm-hmm. interesting. Um, number one is what I've always feared is the greatest weakness of Donald Trump should he become president, which is that anybody can get on his good side simply by complimenting him. And I think that that's a stone-cold hard fact. I mean, it, when Vladimir Putin is is somebody who you can you can say nice things about simply because they complimented you, That's scary because it goes to Donald Trump's greatest psychological weakness, which is his massive ego and insecurity. And it's not to mention his narcissism. He thinks that good guys and he literally, Leah, thinks that good guys and bad guys in the world are determined by where they stand on Trump, not on where they stand on America, not on where they stand on on their philosophy, their principles, their actions, where they stand on Trump. You know, do you not see that? No, I I mean, I get what you're saying, but I have a whole different way to look at this. All right. Hit me. I believe the Russia talk is the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. And here's why. The day after this conversation took place, people are screaming about how Trump, uh, I mean, all media, Fox News, everybody is slamming Trump, praising Vladimir Putin when we announce 
guess who we're working with, to take on ISIS? Oh, Russia. And by the way, Matt Lauer points out, but Russia, Russia supports Assad. I'm not sure taking out Assad is a good idea. Why do we want to take out Assad? No dictator being taken out is ever worked out for us. I don't understand it. Matt Lauer says, oh, he supports Iran. What did we just do? We gave them the ability to have nuclear weapons. And by the way, we also paid them for prisoners. And we found out that there were secret deals going on that we never even knew about with our own president. And Hillary Clinton used a reset button. Okay, that's all very interesting, and I agree with some of it, not all of it, but what does that have to do with the vulnerability of Donald Trump that he praises no matter who it is, no matter how evil they are, no matter how much they're an anathema to the American system, like a Russian dictator, he praises them simply because they like him. That's the problem I have. Because here's the thing, Leah, if a president, a president is a president for at least eight uh, four years, very likely eight years, we have no idea what the situations will be in those four or eight years. We have no idea who our enemies will be. And what scares me, among among many things about Donald Trump, is he determines who the good guys and the bad guys are, as I've already said, based upon who likes and who dislikes Trump. That is not the way you determine good guys and bad guys. I mean, even my my four-year-old probably you know, doesn't believe that. And and we remember she's the one that's very confused about, you know, where we are, where we stand on Trump, right? Remember when she said about Trump? Is Trump a bad guy or a good guy? I mean, even Grace could probably determine that it's probably best not to determine who's good guy and bad guy based on who likes her. But Trump hasn't gotten past that emotionally. Uh, Look, I, I think this is, I think this really is no big deal. He's wow. praising. Okay. He's not okay. working with right. him yet. He's not, right. Uh, right. you know, let, let, look, let, let you, we're doing way more with Vladimir Putin right now right. You mentioned, than praising him. Okay, you mentioned hypocrisy. I, I want you to go back to 2008, and I want you to consider if Barack Obama, in a situation of Donald Trump, as a person of the party opposing the current party in the White House, had said about President Bush that Vladimir Putin is a better leader of his country than George W. Bush is of our country. When Putin has been killing journalists, has no freedom, is a dictator, has invaded other countries illegally, what would your reaction have been if Barack Obama had said that in 2008? Well, I would have hated him. Okay, well, there you go. Thank you for acknowledging your hypocrisy. Because, because no, that's what I Donald agree Trump with just Trump did. That, that Vladimir Putin uh, is better than Barack Obama. That's not hypocrisy. No, no. That's just a fact. Okay, well, the reasons are the problem here. Because the reasons are Trump, well, that's does, true. Tr- Trump doesn't seem to believe. <laughs> and that's what he's saying. No, Trump doesn't seem to believe in democracy and freedom. He, he believes in tyranny, apparently, because he wants someone that has a stronghold on their country. Coming up more later.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. I urge you to check out freespeechbroadcasting.com where you can see all my latest columns for Mediaite, including several that relate to the news of the day and the topics of this particular show. Right now, in our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016, we're talking about the uh, National Security Town Hall that was on NBC, hosted by Matt Lauer. And in the last segment, we played uh, Donald Trump praising Vladimir Putin. And uh, Leah doesn't seem to be bothered at all by the fact that that Trump uh, praises Putin simply because he praises him. She also doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that he believes that Putin is a stronger, better leader than Barack Obama is because he has more control over his country. That phrase didn't bother you, Leah? The control over his country? Uh, I mean, he also said that he didn't like he didn't like the system. <laughs> okay, so so therefore Look, here's the way So so I, he's a great I, dictator see, this, within the dictatorial okay. system. I think I, I the, my feeling about Vladimir Putin yeah. is that he has been allowed to do these crazy things because our leadership is weak. Okay. okay? I think, I think that Trump would be tougher for uh, Putin. I think that the it. two of them, look, I would have no problem Leah. working with Putin to defeat ISIS uh, and for, and for several other reasons. I would have no problem with that. Leah, you really think. Paul Manafort was not a mistake. Uh, these DNC hacks are not a mistake. I think you can make a much stronger argument that Trump is a stooge for the Russian government, which I don't believe he is, by the way. But I think you make a stronger argument that he is, either effectively or figuratively, if not literally, than you can that he would be tough on Vladimir Putin. I think Putin looks at Trump and sees a buffoon. I think and, Putin and reali- looks at Hillary and sees a reset button. Mm, this is, I, I, why, why is it that it's very clear that the Russian government wants Trump to win? Why? We don't know that that is. Uh, okay. The right. State Department said right. that. Okay. All I right. mean, gosh, the pattern of lies from the Clintons okay. is so it goes on for okay. decades. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, the the reality is that. All right, so none of these things matter. Does it matter, by the way? And and Lauer didn't um, ask him about this, which I think was a, a major mistake, one of many that Lauer made. Uh, but he never bothered when you were talking about Vladimir Putin. You might want to have followed up on, so why did you say in a debate, a very prominent debate, an important debate in the Republican primary process, that you had met Vladimir Putin? And by the way, it wasn't just that one time. He implied at other times that he had met Vladimir Putin. And then... Said, oh, by the way, to George Stephanopoulos, oh, no, no, actually, I, I never did meet him. The, the reality is there that this is consistent with what Donald Trump does. He just makes crap up because at the time it made him feel and, and look more esteemed, like a, like a world leader, that he had met him when the story that he had met him never made any damn sense because he claimed to have met him backstage at the, 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 the 60 Minutes. There is no backstage at 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes is taped on location weeks or months ahead of time. Uh, so, you know, to me, that, that that Putin lie in trying to elevate himself is typical of the way, I agree, Hillary is a liar. I'm actually sometimes more offended by the way Trump lies because he just flat out makes crap up on the fly 
having no regard at all for what it's going to mean down the road. But but Lauer never even mentioned that. Speaking of lies, there was also no blowback on a a lie that Donald Trump told about his position on the Iraq war. Uh, Let's hear what Trump had to say about that on NBC this week. But what have you done in your life that prepares you to send men and women of the United States into harm's way? Well, I think the main thing is I have great judgment. I have good judgment. I know what's going on. I've called so many of the shots. And I happened to hear Hillary Clinton say that I was not against the war in Iraq. I was totally against the war in Iraq. From You can look at Esquire magazine from 04. You can look at before that. And I was against the war in Iraq because I said it's going to totally destabilize the Middle East, which it has. It has absolutely been a disastrous war. And by the way, perhaps almost as bad was the way Barack Obama got out. That was a disaster. I so, agree I agree with that last part, uh, 100% yeah. uh, with that last part. But that's 2020 hindsight. That's pretty easy. But at least easy. they're— I'm, I'm foggy on this. Okay. Well, foggy in what way? Because I, I don't remember what he said, right. when he said here's it. The, here's the history, okay? And, and this is where Lauer really drops the ball. Here's the history. Before the war, on I believe it was September 11th of 2002. I think, almost, I'm almost sure about that, but it's not that relevant. Uh, Howard Stern. He's on the Howard Stern Show. And, of course, you know, at that point, it was, we're still in the lead-up to the Iraq War and debating it. And Stern asks him about whether or not we should go into Iraq. And he says, yeah, I guess so. I wish we would have done it right the first time. That's the only known statement from Donald Trump. It's on the Howard frickin' Stern show, which ought to tell you something, that how insignificant he was and how little he spoke about important issues like this back in 2002, which is not all that long ago, folks, especially for a guy who is 70 years old. But I digress. So, that's the so by o- the time 2004 came around and it wasn't popular anymore. Thank you, because that was the most ridiculous thing that he did in the interview and Lauer let him go. He cites a 2004 Esquire magazine article where he he does criticize the Iraq war, except there's a problem, which I think you've already figured out, which is that the war starts in 2003 and has been going on for quite a while by the time uh, the Esquire magazine article comes out. And Lauer never even mentions that. Now, that's a lie. It was a, by the way, he also lied, Trump did, about where he stood on the Libyan invasion. He, in fact, he's triple lied on, on Libya. He, he has said that he was against it. He has said he never said anything positive about it. But there's a, he made a videotape, a YouTube video, which I think he just forgot, uh, you know, because he doesn't get much sleep. And I, I don't think his memory is all that good, which is part of the reason why he he can make stuff up because he doesn't remember that he did it. But he made a YouTube video about how we ought to take out Gaddafi <laughs> in, in Libya just before we did. So, um, so the reality is he's getting away with whatever reality he wants to make up. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, while as, as a truth guy, it's infuriating. And I'm not the only one that felt this way. When I was watching this and seeing what he was able to get away with, I started to think, you know what, it's possible, underline possible, he wins this election. Because I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's moving quickly in that direction. I, and, and, and here's what I mean by this. I'm getting a very similar vibe. Very, very similar vibe. 
Obama. Oh, to Obama 2008 versus Hillary in the Democratic primary. Because that's basically what we have here. Yeah. We, we basically have a Democratic primary disguised as a general election. Where- and let's not forget that Barack Obama, during that primary that you're talking about, was horrific. Well, <clears throat> I'm in. Unnecessarily skyrocket well, your electricity. Oh, well, that. I'm killing got, coal plants everywhere. Yay! Right. And all that got ignored, <laughs> a lot like some of the stuff that Trump says. And what. Yep. And, and, and I've, I've always said, this is, you know, maybe my best line ever, is that when it comes to media coverage, it's not what gets reported, it's what, it's gets, what repeated. gets repeated. It's what gets repeated. And the brilliance, although I don't think this is on purpose. Is the, he never repeats anything. Well, right. No, no. Well, that's part of it. But the brilliance of Donald Trump is that he gives the media so much fodder. And the media, especially in this day and age, has such short attention spans and, and is constantly looking for the next shiny object that they never repeat anything. So this is this is why this is why nothing has been able to destroy Donald Trump, because they don't stick with anything. It's hit and move, hit and you know, move, hit and move. And he just deflects them with he another. He's going. Yeah. He just keeps going. And by the way, the only exception to this during this campaign. Is the Mexican judge. Ding, 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 ding. Exactly right. That was the only moment in this campaign when the media, partially because oh, Trump oh. kept screwing it up. Right, was, and the gold. Uh, and the gold the, star guy. Right. Those, yes. those two. You're right. Those two moments. And this is, this is proving my theory. Those two moments, the, the Mexican judge and the gold star dad. Those were the only two times it was largely because Trump kept screwing it up. Right. See, what Trump ought to learn, what he Mm -hmm. ought to learn is when you screw up, just screw up again on something else. Don't (laughs) screw up on the same thing constantly. Because when you screw up on the same thing constantly, then the media can fixate on it, focus on it, and it's like drilling a hole. You know, it's exactly like drilling for oil. Here's what, this is the best analogy I can come up with on the fly. What happens is, the media, in trying to destroy Trump, they're drilling little holes in the ground, seeking the, the magic oil, you know, the, the, for the, right. for the, for the mm-hmm. eureka moment. They're waiting for the gusher. Right, for the gusher. They're looking for the gusher. But they keep, they stop drilling like a foot, two feet into the ground. Because they go, oh, wait, wait, maybe wait, it's over there. Thank you. Exactly right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> wait, there's no gusher here, but look at the gusher potential over here. No, wait, it's Tuesday. Wait. Over here. Over here. Oh, my God. Look what he just tweeted. Over here. That, so what effectively what ends up happening is there's no mortal wound. It's all flesh wounds. And there's, they never get to the gusher. I truly believe that if they decided, if there was a meeting, which – there isn't because there's no conspiracy. These are just morons that all act in their own self-interest. I'm talking about the news media here. But if there was a meeting and said, all right, this week, maybe the next two weeks, because I realize two weeks is a really long time for these, these morons, these, these children in the, in the media. If they decided, you know what, we're going to talk about nothing but why Trump won't release his taxes for the next two weeks, Trump would be done. It would be over. It would be totally. I don't think so. Well, it would. Now, every- I, people, I don't think people care. No, no, this no they is do. Old, no, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah, this no. is like back in the no. 70s, 80s, 90s. People no. really used to care about tax returns. They no. don't care anymore. Well, Doesn't matter. 
that's not true. That's not what the polls say. The polls are overwhelming <laughs> that he ought to re- re- he ought to release his taxes like everybody else has run for president, including Richard Nixon, who was under audit. And the polls are overwhelming that people believe that he's hiding something. And I can guarantee you the way he reacts to media coverage, if the news media became fixated on the taxes, he would explode. He would he would do something that caused a problem. By the way, his running mate said this week he was going to, that Trump would release his taxes. Trump himself has said he was going to release his taxes. He's lying about that too. Everything's a lie. It's all based on what his self-interest is at that moment. All right, we got to take a break. We'll, when we come back, we'll continue with the, we got to get to basket of deplorables. We got to get to Gary Johnson and Aleppa. Lots more on the John and Leah show coming up next. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And by the way, Leah, if you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com, there's been a major change in the presidential odds, which I think you'll even be impressed by. What, are you up to 6% now with Trump? No, no. Well, last week it it went up to 10% for Trump to win. Now it is currently, as I speak, 7525, which is the greatest chance I have ever given Donald Trump of being the next president of the United States at any point in this entire bizarre world fiasco process. And let me explain uh, why. It, uh, it basically has to do with a couple things. One, it's not really because the polls have tightened. There was one poll from CNN this week that put Trump ahead that really freaked a lot of people out, which put him in in numbers where he would have to be to have a chance. I was not that impressed by that poll. So that's not the real reason, although certainly the polls have tightened. Uh, It's mainly because of Hillary's health scare and also because I just no longer trust that the news media is going to be able to take him out if and when they need to. I've always felt like the news media was going to be her goalkeeper here, that if if Trump somehow was able to to you know get the the puck or the ball, whichever sport you want to use, uh, all the way into a position where he has a shot to put it into the net on November eighth, that the the media would be a goalkeeper and they would block him. I'm not sure they still might because there's still cards yet to be played. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that, mainly because I think the news media is so broken. And because of the fact that he complicates matters by the ratings that he provides. And because, let's face it, he's an amazing media manipulator and a fantastic liar. He is an Let's am- face it, it will be way more entertaining to have him in the White House. And a lot of news media knows that. Then that's that. Unfortunately, we're living in a world where that may end up motivating or at least taking away some of their pro Hillary motivation because they, their consolation yeah. prize, their consolation prize is pretty darn good. If Trump is president, they get incredible stories every day, boffo ratings, and they probably end up destroying the GOP forever in their minds. That's probably what the result of that is. So the fact that the country may suffer doesn't really matter to these jackals. Uh, and, and so those are the main reasons why Trump is now up to 25%. He's not up to 25% because of the supposed gaffe that Hillary made on Friday at a fundraiser where she referred to half of all Trump voters as belonging in a basket of deplorables. Uh, Leah, let's hear some of that audio. You know, to just be grossly generalistic, 
You could put half of Trump's supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites that used to only have 11,000 people. Now have 11 million. There you go. She goes on, to be fair, because I try uh, to... Be... Hey, I've, I've got more, but, okay. you know... Uh, that's fine. I Just, know how much I, we, we can paraphrase. She goes on to explain that the other half of Trump voters are the good people. They're the the hardworking people who just feel like the government has left them behind and they feel like... They a, need a change. Right, they need a change. And she showed... Here, here's the bottom line on this. When this happened, almost everybody in the, the right-wing punditry thought, oh my gosh, this is a massive gaffe. Uh, and it's just like Mitt Romney with the 47%. And it's this is going to be a game changer. And I'm like, are you serious? First of all, there's significant differences. In some ways, you could argue this was worse. Uh, but from a political standpoint, this was never going to harm Hillary. In fact, I, I am not convinced it was a gaffe at all. I, I think there's overwhelming evidence that she fully intended to do this. There's there is evidence that she was using the phrase deplore or the word deplorables prior to this. By the way, who just casually says basket of deplorables? Right. I'm, I'm, that is something that you know, it was definitely in her speech. Right. She she planned this. This was part of a strategic maneuver, which was not, in my opinion, a bad idea. And here's why it was not a bad idea. The people that she was castigating, first of all, there's actually some truth to it. The, the mistake she made was saying half. I don't think it's half. But there's no question there's a strong element of Trump supporters that fit into that category. So, And by the way, she acknowledged in her non-apology apology for this that she shouldn't have used half. So that was the only political element of this that I thought was a mistake. Here was the thinking behind it, Leah. She was appealing to a very small sliver of people. In fact, I can I can actually identify exactly who she was targeting. She's targeting highly educated suburban moms in the suburbs of Philadelphia where I grew up who are uncomfortable being on the same team with white trash racists. That's who she's targeting. And it was actually a potentially brilliant maneuver to create a wedge between the racist element of Trump's support and the normal Republican voter who is highly educated, probably well off, who doesn't think highly at all of those white trash racists and are uncomfortable being on the same team and who might be movable partially because of their gender, partially because of their education, and partially because of this this uncomfortableness that I'm referring to with being put on the same team with the unsavory people. Ugh. Do you see what I'm talking about? Do you, you're not, I don't, I mean, you know, I know. Well, you look, I don't buy any of that with the racist, homophobic, Islamophobic. I, I, I just don't buy any of the names anymore. 
It's ridiculous. Well, the it's polls, ridiculous. The polls, the, the polls show that Trump supporters hold a lot of views that are easily identified as what? quote unquote racist. Uh, um, we, uh, yeah, based on whose perception of it? Uh, one Is poll it indicates racist? one poll Be- indicates that twenty percent of Trump supporters believe that ending slavery was a bad idea. Oh, Brandon. good gosh. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, it was a conspiracy. I forgot. I forgot that was a conspiracy. I was. Yeah, all right. I want to see that poll. All right. All right.